Hello, everyone. This is Jenny Bencardino, your host of Women on Steroids. This is episode three: Autoimmune Diseases, the Power of Advocacy. Let's welcome again to our show our special invited guest, Dr. Andrew Franks. Dr. Franks is a rheumatologist and dermatologist at the New York University School of Medicine. Welcome back. So, um, both you and I um, have walk um, life um, feeling the call to be advocates. And I know you have been, you know, an advocate for education um, through the Lupus Foundation to bring awareness of autoimmune diseases to the uh, general population so that um, women and also men, because even though women are um, preferentially affected by this condition, there are many men also who are suffering from autoimmune diseases that uh, go undetected and, you know, there is a great deal of suffering associated with these um, diseases that um, um, it does deserve attention, um, even though, Absolutely. yeah. Uh, so as an advocate uh, for diagnosis of uh, amyopathic dermatomyositis, you and I happen to work at a time in the same institution, so we, managed to put together a protocol uh, using innovative MR technology to assess for uh, alterations in the microstructure of the muscle fibers that could be detected using dynamic um, imaging of, of the muscle uh, during motion. And we were able to prove that indeed, uh, even me, who I was classified as amyopathic dermatomyositis, I had alterations in um, MR imaging markers based on diffusion weighted imaging, assessing uh, contractility patterns uh, uh, using uh, this innovative te technique. And we were lucky to have you know, very committed uh, team uh, looking into into ways to, to come up, come about with these new techniques. Um, the technique was actually created with the whole purpose of, of, of making it, this diagnosis. And I think that's that's one of my proud moments. Uh, Mine as well, Jenny. Mine <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh, and I, I, I really uh, find that that uh, uh, protocol that, uh, that you actually instigated and, and innovated um, has been uh, greatly, greatly benefiting uh, people uh, and, um, you know, with this illness uh, and with this diagnosis and making the diagnosis earlier and uh, in selection of treatment. I think uh, it, it was quite an undertaking and it's still going on and uh, hopefully we'll develop more and more uh, positive um, outcomes. I can tell you something if if, if we're going to if you were are telling something about yourself I can tell you something about myself. Yes. Go ahead. Uh I was on steroids at one point in my life uh and I remember it very very vividly. I was on 80 milligrams of steroids a day. Wow. And um I cannot tell you how 
emotionally labile I was, how difficult it was to sleep, uh, the appetite increasing and the weight gain, the fluid retention. It was truly, uh, it was truly horrible. And that, uh, and, and this was back in the seventies um, when I had been on the steroids. And uh, so I was very much aware, always aware whenever I wrote that prescription yeah. of what, what, what could happen. Yeah, this is something that I, I've been actually an advocate for that medical school should include uh, a self-awareness journey, you know, where medical students have to leave what it means to do something to a patient. Like for example, I, you know, haven't, uh, we haven't talked about this, but I think this might be the moment. I, I've been a sufferer of autoimmune disease since I was 16. Um, when I was 16 years old, um, I started medical school. I also went to a Jesuit school and now full disclosure. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, somehow that's how fate got us together. <laughs> yeah. So it's, the name of the school is Pontifical Severian University in Bogota. And yeah. I had just started medical school. There is no college in Colombia. So I was a precocious uh, high school graduate. I was uh, 16 and I started medical school immediately. That's incredible. Uh, 16. 16. Incredible. Wow. So my mom, you know, realized that I was still a child and she said, oh, I to celebrate that, you know, you're starting medical school, I'm going to take you to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> The, so, one in, uh, <laughs> the one in uh, Florida. The one in Florida. So uh -huh. uh, she, my mom was a Red Cross volunteer and uh, she really is, uh, has been a wonderful doctor. Um, she studied by correspondence. She's a architectural designer by correspondence, but she would have loved to be a doctor if given the, the opportunity. Um, so, um, she said, okay, so we're gonna go to, to Miami and you know, they planned it really well. We, um, they made a loan. My parents used to travel a lot, but it was, they would make a, lo a loan for the, for the trip and then they would pay the loan and then they would plan another trip and pay the loan. And right, right. So they, they took us to, to many places. And so for this, for every time that it was an overseas travel, uh, we, I live in Colombia back there in Bogota, uh, she would uh, herself uh, request a laboratory uh, checkup for us. So the oh. laboratory checkup included CBC and urine analysis. That was you know, mm -hmm. She wanted to make sure we were not anemic or we didn't have some infection uh, brewing that, you know, and she wanted to check our urine. So the urine analysis results come back and I have protein and red cells in my urine. Uh, so <laughs> we, went, we, we went to we went to Disney World, but when I came back, you know, I had to go and you know start my journey on autoimmune disease um, back then because it turned out I had IgM nephropathy, so that right. was the reason why. And you know that because the, my dermatomyositis yes. is also IgA um, mediated. Yes. Mm -hmm. So. Um, uh, for, for four or five years, I was 
being just followed with uh, 24 hour urine. Um, I was giving fish oil here and there, nothing really, you know, just keeping a watchful eye on me. And come intern year, I'm 22 years old, and six years of medical school in Colombia includes the intern year. And my protein uh, in 24 hours is 3.6 grams. Wow. That's, to the audience, uh, they should know that's extremely elevated. High. Yes. So it's called nephrotic range. When you are in nephrotic range, uh, that's not typical of IgM nephropathy. So again, you know, now we are going through this process. Yes. Where, do I have dermatomyositis or not? Um, and I think we have come down that yes, I do. But back then, my doctor, Dr. Dacchiardi, um, he was my nephrologist. I, I, I still love him. Uh, he looked at me, he used to say, he used to call me Ben Cardina. You know, I uh -huh. coming Hola, Ben Cardina. Como <laughs> uh, so he said, Jenny, there is lupus in your family. So we haven't talked about my mom's side of the family. Uh, there is systemic lupus, there is discoid lupus, there is rheumatoid arthritis on her side of the family. And there is a scleroderma on my dad's side yes. of the family. So um, he said, with that history of lupus in your, in your aunt, I have to biopsy you, you know, like I have to take yes. a sample. He had actually uh, done a biopsy at the beginning of as baseline, but it was not enough for diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And it was so painful, to be honest with you, that I told him, you know, if we don't have to do this again, I don't want to do I that. would think so, yes. I would so, think you'd say that. Yeah. It's so, scary, very scary. So now I'm 22 and, you know, like I'm spewing protein in my urine and he says, I, I cannot, I mean, we have to do it, Jenny, we have to do it. So I'm dating back then um, uh, one of my classmates and he's now a neurosurgeon. And uh, so Carlos comes with me to the biopsy. Uh, my mom, you know, they, which is, this is an ambulatory procedure. My mom is in the weight area. And Carlos went with me inside. Um, there is a, a sonographer, a radiologist who you know looks at the kidney, and makes sure that you know um, mm -hmm. finds the, the nice spot for the biopsy. And then my doctor went in, took three cores. He actually showed me, you know, like pulled open the core uh, needle and say beautiful cylinders. You know, this mm -hmm. time we got diagnosed. So I was happy. Um, then Dr. Uribe, who was the sonographist, he went back after the biopsy was taken and there is a pause moment. And so he says, well, it seems that there is this small hematoma around the kidney. You are gonna have to you know, stay in observation. And I said, okay, that's fine. So I'm on a stretcher. The same stretcher where I got the biopsy done was used to take me to the mm -hmm. observation floor. And Carlos, thankfully, he's with me in the elevator. Um, so we go from the second floor where radiology was located to the eighth floor where I was going to be observed. And in that process, I go in hypovolemic shock. So oh. I, 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 you never told me this story, no, Jenny. No, this is a new story you for you. You never told me this one. Wow. So, so thankfully he was there yeah, and mm -hmm. I recently actually thank him for my life. I mean, I mm -hmm. do owe him my life. Otherwise, you know, I don't know what would have happened. Oh my so, gosh. So I had still the IV line, you know, and mm -hmm. so I, as soon as the operator, the elevator door opens, 
I was still, I, he says my eyes went back, you know, like I, I was, mm -hmm. I lost consciousness in front of him. Uh, but I, I can hear the stretcher is running, they are running through the hallway and he's screaming, you know, like yes. that, that he needs fluids, you know, like mm -hmm. I, so next thing I wake up and I'm in the, in the hospital room and my doctor is there and he is completely bummed. I mean, he was, he was grabbing his head and he's looking at the floor and um, it turned out that in one of the passes, one of the renal veins got connected with the pelvis. Of the oh my gosh. Oh so, my gosh. So now I'm, I'm peeing blood, the, you know, like oh. this blood coming out through my, um, through my uh, urethra, and that's, it was just blood, red blood. Um, this is 1990. I was an inter in, in the 1990s. And you know, uh, my heart rate is. Uh, you're raising my heart rate, <laughs> Jenny. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do so. I'm getting <laughs> very, uh, very. Uh, this is some story. <laughs> so. So no, I, I'm going to try to shorten it because it's very, very rich in detail. So, um, mm -hmm. so then um, I'm, you know, lying there and he says, Jenny, um, I'm sorry, we have to transfuse you. And I, I think I took eight pints of blood, you know, like to, mm -hmm. to get me back um, on, on a, you know, like normal cardiovascular status. Um, and he said, we have to observe you. There are you know, if this thing keeps on bleeding this way, we may have to take you to the OR and, you know, like remove the kidney. Um, if uh, it slows down, maybe we consider embolization mm -hmm. using interventional radiology. Um, uh, I mean, it may, it may just stop bleeding on its own, but mm -hmm. you have to be in bed rest, a strict bed rest. You cannot move out of your bed you have to stay there. And this is where, when it comes that when you write bed rest as you know, one of your recommendations, what are you doing to your patients? You are telling that patient they have to pee and poo in bed. They mm -hmm. have to be washing bed. Mm -hmm. They have to you know, like do everything in bed. And it's not fun. I spent 10 days in strict bed rest. And mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until the eighth day my mom it's, it's actually de I'm not to interrupt you but it is dehumanizing it is it yes. is dehumanizing yeah. and I actually on day fifth I say because I couldn't my bowel would move um, mm -hmm. in that position lying down so I say and I felt like you know like I was I needed to do something so when the nurses weren't around and no one was around I got up of bed Mm -hmm. And I took my IVs and, you know, and I was yeah. going to the bathroom and then everything went, you know, like I, I didn't lose consciousness, but I had to, you know, creep back in bed. Right. Um, and I probably set myself back, you know, because I did that. I mm -hmm. removed the blood clot that was being formed and I was bleeding again. Um, so um, on day eight, and I remember it very well, everybody's, you know, like my daughter is losing it. Um, he was actually going through a divorce too. I mean, it was, I think, mm -hmm. the worst thing. He says, I'm the worst complication he's ever had, oh, you know, mm -hmm. from a kidney biopsy. And oh, we still, we're still very good friends, which comes to, you know, uh, if you have a good patient uh, doctor relationship, anything can happen. 
and mm -hmm. you will continue to have a good mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. doctor-patient you know, relationship. Most so, of the time. Most, <laughs> most of, of the time. <laughs> so I still, I still think that, you know, like it had to happen. It's, you know, it's oh. a very rare complication. But mm. um, so on day eight, my mom decides that there has to be something spiritual done to me. So she brings a priest and a, you know, circle of people to mm -hmm. impose hands on my, on my kidney. That afternoon, I stopped bleeding. You know, I can't yeah. stop bleeding. I just, mm -hmm. you know, maybe whatever, but you know, like, that, uh, that, that is, that is a story. As I said, my heart rate is, is <laughs> <laughs> above, uh, uh, usually I, my heart rate is about 60, Jenny, uh, but it's about 110 <laughs> right now. Uh, and, uh, and being a doctor, uh, you know, for, uh, as long as I've been, uh, you know, over 45 years being a doctor, almost actually almost 50 years now, um, I, I, I'm I'm shocked at this story, and um, and it really uh, is extremely impressive, and I'm sure the audience is is relating the same way I am. But I will say that what you're what you're suggesting is that as physicians the simplest thing that we think we are saying mm -hmm. may have tremendous impact on the person we're saying it to because we think it's easy to say bed rest strict bed rests we Steelix. you know yeah okay well that's fine we can stay in bed you know if you've never done it you would mm -hmm. think that's fine um uh, or when we say you know uh all right uh, just uh, make sure that you avoid uh, uh, any uh, any particular spiciness in your diet or any of this or that, and you're just eating bland food all, all day long. I mean, it really, it has a significant effect on your life. And so mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that um, even the most mundane things that we say for, to people to do, we should know the impact it's going to have on their living, on their living, on their habits, on their, with their family, with themselves, with their minds. Very important. Uh, and I, I think that's a great concept. I, don't, I know that we have patient advocacy now, obviously, much more than we did back then. But um, it, it, it is important, particularly for younger physicians to realize uh, the impact that they're having on people's lives. Because despite all that's going on in the world with medicine, uh, physicians are still among the highest respected. And there's a reason for that, because physicians do take a lot of time from their own lives, a lot of education, a lot of time. Uh, sometimes people don't realize how much time physicians do put into this. Um, but they still are highly respected. And, uh, and I think that adding this component uh, would be extremely helpful. Yes. All right, I think we're coming to an end and uh, let's just finish by saying that um, I feel the luckiest patient in the world. I have, you know, definitely the best doctor. Um, and I wish to my listeners to find the same in their lives and and i think they deserve it and uh, they don't need to uh, stick to a doctor that is not listening to their um, story as you say listening is clue 
uh, in anamnesis and um, um, there is somebody for you. It's like, it's like marriage. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yes. So there is exactly. somebody for you out there who is going to be able to take uh, your symptoms seriously, study them, come to diagnosis and um, make decisions uh, to manage uh, your disease so that you can have a fulfilling and happy life. And I've had a, a fulfilling and happy life in and out of steroids for 12 years now. <laughs> <laughs> An exceptionally productive, productive and happy life. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and I know that um, you're an extremely dedicated uh, physician and very innovative in what you do. And you're just a wonderful wife, a wonderful mother. And you, you've always been a very upbeat person, despite, mm -hmm. despite issues that can really stop people in their tracks. You've always looked to the positive side, Jenny. Maybe that's your Jesuit training, too. Yes, yes. Maybe that is, that is yeah. the Jesuit training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I just, we can finish uh, with a, a Joseph Campbell quote. Sure. Do you have do you have any favorite? No, I don't have any favorites, but let me hear yours. Okay, let me see. I have to I actually have it on my Facebook page that's <laughs> uh, I have this your own path you make with every state you take. That's why it's your path. So this is a path that we've been walking together. Um the path of the uh, autoimmune disease patient and doctor. And I couldn't have wished for a better companion uh, to make this journey. Uh, thank you, thank Jenny. You. Thank you, Andy. My All pleasure. Right. Okay. Like we're going to say goodbye. Goodbye. Ciao. Ciao. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Tanti auguri. Please,